Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Libya Snedden. Now, Rob Olson, the book that we're going to be talking about tonight is, and now we know the name, even though we were messing it up in the last episode, Black Mad Wheel by Josh Mallerman. So here's a little bit about Josh that we pulled from the various um, interwebs. Josh Mallerman is an American author and the lead singer of the rock band The High Strung. He currently lives in Ferndale, Michigan. He wrote that Bird Box book, didn't he? He wrote Bird Box. He also wrote House at the Bottom of the Lake, yeah, which was phenomenal. Um, I'm still, like, I still think about that book on a fairly regular basis, which, again, is a testament to how much I liked it. Yeah, it was... I've, uh, I've been 100% a fan of all the Mallerman stuff that I've read so far. We'll see. We will see if yeah. that holds up. We could go to 66% real fast here. <laughs> here is the synopsis for Black Mad Wheel from... Amazon. The Danes, the band known as the Darlings of Detroit, are washed up and desperate for inspiration, eager to once again have a number one hit. That is, until an agent from the U.S. Army approaches them. Will they travel to an African desert and track down the source of a mysterious and malevolent sound? Under the guidance of their frontman, Philip Tonka, the Danes embark on a harrowing journey through the scorching desert, a trip that takes Tonka into the heart of an ominous and twisted conspiracy. Meanwhile, in a nondescript Midwestern hospital, a nurse named Ellen tends to a patient recovering from a near-fatal accident. The circumstances that led to his injuries are mysterious, and his body heals at a remarkable rate. Ellen will do the impossible for this enigmatic patient who reveals more about his accident with each passing day. Let's talk about that synopsis a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, if you didn't bring it up, I was going to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, First of all, I read the synopsis for this um, some time ago. Um, as a matter of fact, I do believe that Josh may have given us uh, this in a Facebook message before it really hit kind of the big time. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. Um, this sounds really fucking weird. I don't know what, what other way to say this. Um, but the synopsis does lead you to believe that there are two different stories going, which is not entirely accurate. Not, I would say not at all accurate. I mean, um, I even in describing this book to people in a way that I was I was being careful to not spoil anything. It's it's obvious that the two different storylines are a then and now of the same person. So. Oh, yeah, the book doesn't try to hide it at all, yeah. which is the only reason There's I no picked mystery. on the synopsis. Yeah, if the book <laughs> itself was telling two stories and you were like, well, maybe. No, it's 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 flat out. This is the, the same guy. Philip in the past, and we'll say it's six months ago, and Philip in the now, um, six months later after uh, the, the first paragraph of that synopsis. Yeah, so... Um... I, th- I, this is going to be a kind of a weird thing to admit, but I don't really exactly remember which storyline the book starts off with. That I think it's the patient one, but it, I, it, and honestly, it doesn't matter. Like the um, this the concurrent storylines are really kind of neat, um, and so and like I, I think I was so kind of whisked up, whipped up, whisked. I was brought in. I was. Like like the current, like a riptide, but like the kind of riptide you're really excited about. Um, really whisked up into this story, so I don't, I didn't really pay close attention to um, uh, which uh, started out. But one thing I do want to say is a little bit about the timing. Um, 
this takes place in the past, Livius. It takes place in post-World War II United States in like the late 50s, I want to say. Mid, yeah, mid-50s, I Mid-50s, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does start out in the hospital with a patient okay. who is... <laughs> I, I was not whipped in or whatever. Whipped? To you, like, you, yeah. you weren't whip-topping? Whip, whip um, yeah, it starts out with our protagonist, Philip, in the hospital as, as he is finding out um, not just that he's in the hospital, but that he's had every bone in his body broken and in in ways that uh, that a doctor can't attribute to one particular thing. So, for example, um, and I, I ad libbing a little bit here. Had he have fallen from a really high height, um, there would be similar breaks in different parts of his body that would be attributed to how he landed. He has weird different breaks throughout, which has been caused by something the doctor uh, doesn't know about, but, you know, would like to find out. Yeah, very indelicate. Now I'm remembering it very clearly now. A very indelicate thing, because he basically, like, comes to consciousness and the doctor's like... Hey, so here's what's up. Every bone in your bro- body is broken, and it's really weird, and we're really curious how. <laughs> it's like, well, pump the brakes, buddy. Like, this guy just woke up, and he has no idea what's going on. <laughs> so, um, to, to pan out a little bit, um, there are 50-some chapters in this book, and, and with the exception of one single time, I believe, in the book, maybe twice, um, they alternate back and forth between uh, the then and now. So as we're discovering about Philip's injuries and his, uh, as it said in the synopsis, his remarkable recovery rate, um, we're finding out how he got to the hospital. So it's really a back and forth that really converges in the final, you know, two or three chapters to, to have an outcome six months ago and to have today's outcome of, of what came of all of this. Yeah. So, um, Jumping back into the past, um, the story is introduced kind of like in a historical, almost like documentary style, where they're just kind of like talking about this band, the Danes, and how they got together, and and the the history of them being in Detroit and everything. And the, and the interesting thing about them is that they all previously served in, I believe, the army, um, and so that was one of the things that gave them a little bit of allure as a band um, was that. They're all kind of former military, so they're a little bit more um, sympathetic or approachable or whatever you want to call it. But, like, it gave them a little bit of an edge. And I don't think it was ever explicitly said, but I want to verify Livius with you. And this was in, like, the mid-50s, like you said, and this was all African-American men, right? Yeah, I don't know. Um, The only thing I I could pick is that Dwayne was African-American. I did not get anything else on the on the rest of them. Philip was too. All right. Well, then there yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> then maybe it was all of them. I didn't I think they the all were. Part. Yeah. Um. And so, like, you get this kind of. It was uh, like I said, almost like a documentary type exposition of of the history of them up to to the point where they're um, post service. They were a band who had a couple of you know, songs that, that kind of started to climb the charts and then they had a number one hit. And then we kind of find them in the, you know, in the present of that storyline 
uh, having kind of a, a studio that they do production in, so they, they help other bands record their stuff. And so the like the the starting point of that storyline is when they are approached by someone from the army as they're about to start going into a recording session with a band. Yeah, Secretary Mull um, comes to them and makes them a, a, a pretty solid offer. So uh, they need to go out to the desert and find a sound. Um, and they've been picked because even though they have little military experience because they were the in the army band so they had no combat experience um they are specialists in sound because they are musicians and he makes them an offer two weeks and they each get one hundred thousand dollars which in the 1950s um I, I mean not that it's not significant now but that that had to be a good solid you know four years worth of pay at a at a decent at a good job um at that point so, you know, there's yeah. a couple chapters where they kind of, you know, toss around the idea and they want to go and they don't want to go. But ultimately, they, they decide to go because if not, it would have been a really short book. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was one of those things How where it's convenient like... <laughs> that they decide to go for <laughs> the sake of this book. Um, I, I want to interrupt the explanation of the story to say, Livius, I want to ask you a question. You and I are hanging out. Uh, which hardly ever happens, but it just happens to be one of the times that you and I are together, probably making fun of something. And someone comes up to us and they're like, we have a job for you and we're going to pay you $100,000 for two weeks of work. Like right now in the present day. Uh, and, and they tell us that you have to go <laughs> go to the desert and find a sound. There's a podcast emanating from the desert. Right, that's the thing and because we're experts. Yeah, I heard the people <laughs> that can identify the source of this podcast. Yeah. Uh, For, what do we say? Four years worth of pay? Is that what we just yeah, said? Yeah. Oh, oh, are we scaling that? I well, want to know kind of like, I kind of want to know what the inflation is now. <laughs> okay, so um, we'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, pause. <laughs> All right, we're back. Holy shit. We had some, we had some <laughs> corrections to do. Uh so uh, based on what Rob was saying, Rob and I would each be offered $1 million <laughs> to go out to the desert for two weeks and find a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that, so let's, let's be fair and let's explain what this podcast actually does. Mm -hmm. It renders military weaponry unusable. And that goes for handguns to nuclear warheads. Yeah. Um, also, listening to this podcast makes you violently ill, which, you know, I, I have some experience with that. I've listened to some podcasts that were yeah. so terrible. They've actually brought on physical, yeah, I physical think, illness in me. I think my first reaction would be like, I think we know some of the podcasts you might be looking for. <laughs> Are you sure they're in Africa? Because I'm pretty sure I know exactly where to find them. Yeah. Um, yeah. A million dollars for two weeks worth of work. Uh, yeah. I would say that, yes, I, I, that is something I would take on. Yeah, we'd have to bring. Rob's like the desert. It's fucking hot in the desert. We'd probably have to walk. I'm not doing this. They were well for a million bucks. I would do that, sir. I would Based do on that. the inflation, so just so you guys understand, one dollar in the year 1950 is worth a little over ten dollars in uh, 2017. Yeah, that's uh that's a little bit crazy. So, um, so that's nuts. So, like, that's I mean, and I have to imagine that as a band, they probably weren't making. A ton of money so this was like this was a huge windfall for them so 
based on the synopsis, which we already picked on a little bit for being not terribly accurate, so I'm not sure how uh, how to to do this. It actually says that they are uh, washed up and desperate. Which for I inspiration. Didn't, I didn't get that but from the book. I didn't. Get that yeah. But it sounds good in a synopsis. Uh, anyway, yeah, I would do that. And so um, I, I felt like even reading everybody's kind of like hesitations about it. And the only thing that I can say is that since they had served in the army and um, again, as you know, in the army band, but also during World War Two, you have to imagine that they would like the reality was a little more more actual reality to them than it would be for us where we're like, what? We'll go to a desert. You give me a million dollars. Um, they might have any, a, a better understanding of like, you know, dangerous stuff, but, um, lo and behold, here they go. Right. So they're, uh, they're not sent, um, by themselves. They have three other military personnel with them. Um, Greer, who is a historian, which seems a little odd, you know, at first when they get into the desert. But I think that, you know, an astute reader kind of gets that explained to him pretty quickly on why the historian sent with them. Mm -hmm. uh, a photographer who's there to document stuffs. And uh, Lovejoy, who is a, yeah, I put it in notes as disgraced general. He was a general. He is no longer a general. He was demoted to a lieutenant. He was a sergeant. Sergeant to a sergeant. Um, because he didn't always follow orders so good um, when it came to, to things uh, he would do. It, the particular instance is he was trying to save somebody's life, but he used a method that the military had already said, hey, we're not going to do that. And he ultimately did save somebody's life, but was uh, demoted for, for that reason. So uh, a lot of it is a trek through the desert where clearly they're going to encounter some very mysterious things that we're probably, I don't know how much we're going to touch on um, in the, the course of, of talking about the story. So that's it. And um, I don't think that Livius and I are going to talk about the story back and forth from like the past to the present, like the story itself does, because that's kind of insane. Um, but just know that as you're reading it, you're going to get a little bit of now and a little bit of then, and then now and then, then and they all kind of like tie together. Um, in the in the present, I would say that like uh, one of the things that evolves in the story that's useful to know is that um, Philip discovers that he is in a military hospital, and I won't go much further than that. But I do want to say that the military is interested to find out what happened while they were out there, and they're very curious to know what that has to do with the fact that his entire body is destroyed. So all the stuff that's going on there has to do with them trying to get to the bottom of that. But at the same time, I think him trying to figure it out, figure it out for himself. And then there's Ellen, the nurse. Ellen is how we're introduced to a lot of um, Philip's history. So Ellen is uh, one of the nurses who's been looking after him for the last six months while he was in a coma. And she has developed an attachment to him from caring for him every day. And then as he starts to become, um, you know, conscious uh, and developing, she, you know, say, you know, she kind of starts to, to fall for him. Um, but she's very concerned that, that, you know, he'd be safe. And she's starting to see kind of some of the things that are happening at the hospital. And, and she believes they may not have his best interest at heart. Would you say that there's kind of a, a Florence Nightingale effect going on? <laughs> I would never say that cheesy, but I could see where you would. 
So uh, just for the listeners, if you're not aware of the Florence Nightingale effect, it's different than the Streisand effect or the, what's the, um, the one that you, the, the Bernstein Bears effect? Yeah, the Mandela, but the Mandela effect. effect. <laughs> yes, yeah, this is a different effect. Yes. Florence Nightingale effect. Oh, this is like it, we don't even care about reading books. We just want to talk about like psychological, sociological um, things that happen to people. The Florence Nightingale effect is a situation where a caregiver develops romantic and/or sexual feelings for their patient, even if very little communication or contact takes place outside of basic care. I've seen some videos that are like that, like just short. You know, like little 15-minute videos where that happens a lot. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, did you did you see those videos with the uh, private browsing mode turned on? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not going to disclose where All I've right. seen those videos. All I'm going to say is that the Nightingale effect, hey, no joke, man. <laughs> um, yeah. Great. I'm glad that's where we took that. <laughs> So, um, you know, I don't know how much we want to talk about. All right, let's talk a little bit about the desert, because I think it's important for people to understand where we're kind of where this is headed. And I, I teased it a little bit with talking about the historian. Some things in the desert that they see don't exactly coordinate with the time period that they are in. That is very accurate. Here is one of the um, just few things I know Rob and I have kind of gone away from quotes and stuff but I, I thought this was uh i thought this was great i don't even know which character to attribute this to but here's how i'll explain it the desert wasn't linear he says the desert wasn't in chronological order which is so fucking eloquent <laughs> i just yeah. i love that so much that line was just brilliant yeah so it, it became apparent almost immediately when the the story got to the desert so basically the idea was um they were going to be dropped off in the Namib Desert, I guess was the name of the desert, which is like a Namibia is a it's made up. country. Um, is it made up for real? I don't know. It's a fake country. I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. I, I don't know a real. lot about Africa. Yeah. It's the Dark Continent. Um, and so they were like, the idea was they were basically getting dropped off and then the plane was going to show up like exactly two weeks later, like to the fucking minute. And so they get dropped off, and there's a, and of course, immediately there's a stand, a sandstorm, because that, you know, that's what happens. You get there, and there's a sandstorm, which makes the plane fly away right away, and they take shelter. And then, like, one of the first things that happens is really what I'm trying to get to, is that um, when they're near the coast, when they're actually near the water of the ocean, um, like. They hear the sound. I think they hear the sound, and that causes weird stuff to happen, and one of them goes missing. So the the Danes, the band, consists of Philip, who is our protagonist, Dwayne, Ross, and Larry. And um, while this kind of disorienting experience happens, Ross goes missing. And Philip feels like he hallucinated some sort of red like a white goat with like red wearing like wearing red or something like that. There was the color red involved, red pants, whatever it was. Um, and <laughs> there's a goat with pants. 
Um, and uh, all I know is that I'm sorry, I hate to interrupt, but I, I have to imagine Mallerman had a better pitch. Chris, where he's like, Man, there's kind of like a goat, it's maybe wearing red pants. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Josh. I know Josh is going to listen to this, and he's but uh, he, I hope he understands that part of our podcast is like intentionally humorous, maybe a little bit, anyway. Um, it's this really fucked up scene where like the sound is messing with everybody and they're throwing up and they're just all over the place and, and disoriented and they discover that Ross is gone and um, everybody's kind of like, well, fuck this, we're out of here. But at the same time, they're like, we can't leave Ross behind. And so they have to go find him. And there is a convenient set of hoof prints <laughs> that they need to follow because that's really their only lead. Yeah, and then they, you know, kind of encounter things, like I said, that aren't from the time period to which they have become accustomed to. And I think we're probably going to leave the desert point um, or the desert part of the story right there, unless we go into spoiler talk. Coming back to today in 1950-something, uh, the government, Robin mentioned that it's a government hospital facility, but basically uh, they have some kind of super drug they need to get him up and running because they need to find out they know he found the sound because they they're pretty sure that's what happened to him physically they need to know where it is so they're trying to get him up and running and as much information from them as they can but they've also noticed that ellen and him have formed a little bit of a bond so ellen is pressured into getting more information from him. And there are some really good scenes um, between the two of them where he's asking her to draw things that he has seen. And uh, there's a relationship to like music in it. So some really good stuff between the two of them. But ultimately it's overshadowed by the evil American government uh, trying to squeeze what they can out of this poor bastard. Yeah. And one of the things that, that becomes apparent kind of as Philip becomes more, aware of what was happening in his past and the relationship with him and Ellen kind of elevates. You also become more aware of, of the way that the government is approaching the situation and how much they, you know, care about Philip versus care about getting this information and um, how completely, you know, insane they might end up getting about things. So it's all nice and gradually. It's like a good, like it's a good, well-paced reveal of like all of the different stories, they they really grow um, in a way that really works well together, um, and it actually the present timeline runs pretty well in in um, parallel to the to the past timeline as far as like how they grow and how we discover information. So I have to give him a lot of credit for that. He did a great job of laying out those threads and kind of tying everything together, but also kind of growing the story. Um, with a bunch of different things going on. One of the things that, that I, everything Rob said is accurate. One of the things that's a little frustrating maybe about this type of storytelling, and, and it, it happened in um, The Girl Before, which we reviewed last year, or maybe it was earlier yeah, this year. Yeah. The back and forth creates a lot of cliffhangers, which um, depending on what part of the story you're on, like, okay, so here's here's what happened for me. In the beginning of the desert scenes, I was like, meh, I want to hear about what's happening in the hospital. So hospital scenes would get broken up with, with desert scenes that I just wasn't into at the moment. As the book progresses, I'm more into the desert scenes, 
and it's getting interrupted frequently <laughs> with hospital scenes. So um, I don't know, maybe that played up the anticipation a little bit for me. I, I find that that I uh, I don't like that format very much. I'm okay with kind of going back and forth between stories. But when you're doing it 50 plus times in a 300 page book, you're getting whatever five to six pages tops in between switching perspectives like that. It, it can be a little frustrating. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't really find it too um, off putting. I thought it was fine um, because like when it's done well, and I think Josh did a good job of this, like one timeline informs the other. Kind of like we only know, like the thing that we learned in the past helps us understand more of what's happening in the present. And I think Josh did a good job of making the information that we receive valuable instead of just like what just happened to happen at that time. Um, but yeah, I can see where that would be a little bit like, oh, here we go, like a little bit of like whiplash or something, like watching a tennis match going like, like you know, like that type of thing. Yeah, again, I and I, I don't disagree with you. I, I just, I don't know, maybe if it was. 25 chapters you know what i mean yeah. where you got a little bit more of each one i don't know but yeah um ultimately yeah i mean he did a good job in, in weaving them together that way i'm not not debating that yeah. at all yeah stop shitting on josh mailerman is there anything else you'd like to talk about <laughs> before <laughs> before we move on to i don't know are we gonna do a spoiler talk i'm not sure we didn't talk about this beforehand all right we have spent hours deliberating whether we're gonna do spoiler talk or not hours being actually just a couple seconds and we are going to do some spoiler talk, so if you are a Patreon contributor, jump over to patreon.com slash booked, um, bask in the new design layout and everything, and also check out spoiler talk for uh, Black Mad Wheel. Um, if you're not, um, it's going to be like one of those time travel things where I'm going to be like, we'll see you in 20 years, and then like it's immediately, hey, we're back. Hey, we're back. <laughs> Did I steal your thunder? <laughs> I was so excited to see how that played out. We actually did the entire spoiler talk and came back to do that. So, um, yeah, that was great. Sometimes there are things that are only entertaining for you and I on That's this all podcast. I don't care. That's all like I care 60% about. percent of what happens here, I think. So, <laughs> anything else you want to talk about before we go into wrap ups? Um, no. Let's just wrap it up. All right. Why don't you go ahead and kick it off? All right, so uh, up front, a big love affair with everything Josh has written. Um, we absolutely love Bird Box. We really enjoyed the House at the Bottom of the Lake. Um, and so I was expecting this book to really have a good effect on me as well. We do have a personal relationship with Josh. Um, we're friends with him. We've interviewed him. I have kind of random late-night Facebook conversations with him and stuff like that. So, um, But we have, I, I believe... I think Livius will back me up on this. We've always had no problem staying completely unbiased. <laughs> I have shit on books of really close friends. Um, I have begrudgingly given better reviews to books than I would want based on how I feel about authors. So even though like I have a big... Um, like When I think of Josh Mallerman, there's little hearts show up on, on, on my eyes. Um, I'm going to say this is a completely objective review. Um, I feel like... Uh, the story was very well developed, and it had a very unique um, kind of idea to it. The the idea of a sound, a very mysterious and ancient kind of sound, ancient sounding sound, ancient seeming, whatever, unfathomable sound being um, something that could render 
military weapons useless was was a really unique thing. And as I mentioned in spoiler talk, but it bears kind of reiterating in the normal episode, Mallerman's a musician. So I think that there might have been a little bit of like the growth of this story might have been like talking about how powerful music is and then how, you know, thinking about it in a practical way. Could it be more powerful than, you know, actual weapons and then drawing, drawing, drawing up a crazy story from there? I think the idea for the story is fucking awesome. And it plays out in a way that is creepy and scary, a um, little bit gory from time to time, but not, I wouldn't even really consider this horror. I don't know where I would necessarily file this. It's almost straight up literary for me, um, even though there are some gross things that happen and there's some things that are a little bit fantastic. I mean, it's it's far more tame than... Like Vonnegut and stuff like that uh, would go in outer space and do crazy things with like gravity and things. So this is pretty down to earth and pretty believable. Um, and so yeah, I don't know how I would categorize it, but like the story was just great. The parallel uh, timelines of then and now worked for me. I think that they kind of fed each other very well. And um, I don't know. I think it all kind of worked. He played nicely into the kind of way that the country was post-World War II um, being kind of tired and broken down from, like, this war, but also, you know, there's also there's always these lingering kind of threats in the world and everything, so we have to remain vigilant and everything like that. So I'm being very wordy right now, but I guess what I'm trying to say is the book is great, characters were great, I liked everything about this, and I thought that um, he wrote a really unique and really interesting story, so I'm going to give it five... And I, ooh, I can't give five and a half stars. I'm going to give it five stars, but there's like an honorary extra half star um, in there for whatever we were talking about at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> liking one of your Instagram posts, I don't think oh, that made that's it right. into the episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was. I remembered I, I owed him an, a half a star for something, and it's because he liked like two of my Instagram posts the other day. So um, that's the that's that's why it's like an honorary half a star. Um, but it's actually, it's a five-star book. Authors, you can get an extra couple stars from Rob on your self-published work if you just uh, follow him on Instagram yeah. <laughs> <So>, and <laughs> do the right thing. Uh, um, yeah, sound. Um, sound is a really interesting thing. And, and all Rob's hippie bullshit aside there with the, the war, what's it good for music. Um, I find the, the the subject of sound being able to affect people and things um, kind of interesting. Uh, I'm, I don't want to step out of my, my wrap-up, but Rob, are you, are you familiar with, I don't know if I'm saying this right, binaural? Binaural? Like beats? Yes. I've heard the word, but I, I, I okay. couldn't attach any value to it. Although some of what I'm going to say has been debunked, um, I believe, by science and those science people. Um, there are a lot of people that, that think that binaural beats, which is just a, um, I don't know how to explain this to you. Um, you're, you're listening to, to two different beats that create almost like a wave sound inside your head when mixed together, like left and right channel. And some people claim that they can be used for healing. Some people claim that it can make you sick, um, ill. At one point, there was a company that was selling binaural beats that were supposed to have the same effects as different drugs. So that you could uh, 
um, simulate a, a heroin high or, or whatever from listening to sound. So there are a lot of people that believe that sound can affect you in ways that's not just like your favorite top 40 song, you know, gets your toe tapping, um, you know, at work or, or whatever. So it's a really interesting concept. I'm not saying I believe that stuff. I have used binaural beats to fall asleep during uh, periods of time where I um, had trouble sleeping. So I do know that at least for me, it does have a very relaxing effect that, that can get me to go to sleep. So having a sound that can affect weaponry um, is a super interesting concept. Uh, the fact that it's in the 50s and there's less science to debunk that makes it even better, because I don't know if that same story would have played out um, as well in, in, in 2017. Uh, little on the back and forth for me was a little much, um, although I did like the direction that, that the story was going. Over at Spoiler Talk, we talked a little bit about some things in the ending that I wasn't particularly thrilled about. But all in all, it's a good story about a, a, a journey. And, and I do like the the then and now stories. I just like to see them in, in bigger chunks, I guess, for me. Um, the writing was solid, as, as it is with uh, everything Mallerman's done. We forgot to mention um, I Can Taste the Blood, because we also did his little novella from there, too, which was also very, very good. All right. Um, so overall, I really enjoyed the book. Again, I, Rob and I may diverge a little bit on on the reasons for for the 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 sound to to do things um, in in how Josh structured it. I'm sure Rob is right because Rob does have that little bit of a hippie heart inside of him that understands those things far better than I do. Um, overall, four stars. Really enjoyable book. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Yet another Josh Mallerman review. I think that Josh Mallerman, Josh Mallerman has never once liked anything I put on Instagram. I'm just going to say that. Right oh, now. all right. Do you have your own Instagram account? <laughs> this is, is irrelevant. Do you have an Instagram page, Livius? <laughs> there might be an Instagram page never, for Livius. Never letting that, never letting that go. Let's look. I'm going right now to your your Instagram. L I V. I know what it's. I know what your username is. While you're um, while you're doing that, can I uh, can I go ahead and give you? Now, this is probably something that nobody in the world knows, right? Can I give you the synopsis for Mallerman's next um, full-length novel? Uh, please do. So in Bird Box, we had, you can't look at things. In this one, we had, you really shouldn't listen to this thing. The next one is going to be a smell that makes people forget. I don't, I don't know if you're being serious or not. I'm not being serious at all. I just, <laughs> even when reading the synopsis, I was like, oh, okay. So there's some shit you can't He's look at. Now there's some the shit fences. you can't hear. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to say, Livius's Instagram page, you have a picture from May of this year, May 6th. Look at that. I'm surprised very, by. very recent. Now, the picture before that, April 7th, 2016. <laughs> Yeah. Never too late to go back and click the like button. Listen, I will tell you, hot Russian women very frequently like pictures that I post. I'll just get like a weird, a weird notification. And it's always from some super hot Russian half naked woman that has a private account. Um, yeah, I don't know if there was a real I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to be the guy to break this. Listen, to you. Just because you're not as appealing to mostly naked hot Russian women as I am. Yeah. Or at least your Instagram yeah. page isn't. You know, don't come down on me, buddy. I never said that I wasn't, though. Let's see. My latest picture is a selfie. Um, I'm looking Rob's, for... Your latest 28 pictures are selfies. Who are you kidding? I don't even need to pull it up. No, there's a lot of pictures of alcohol. You have to remember that. So, 
Um, oh, hey, look, Josh Merlinman liked that photo. No half-naked Russian women, though, so you got me there. Mostly naked, whatever you said. I don't know, but anyway. Instagram page, check us out. Come find Livius. He'll post once every, like, 18 months. So it's like a you low maintenance. You will not get sick of seeing my Instagram posts. <laughs> You'll be like, every time he posts, it'll be great, because you'll be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be great. What else we got, Livius? Um... Oh, other important stuff. So I know we don't do this very often on the podcast, but it is uh, June 18th, um, and uh, we want to celebrate um, and, and wish a very happy birthday to fellow podcasters, plural, Bob Pastorella, who there's a note in here. I'm not going to read the note that's in here that Rob put in. Rob, can you explain this note? That you... Oh, there's an extra zero. <laughs> oh, all right, good. So Bob's not uh, 500 years old. Bob, happy 50th birthday. Uh, today is also Brandon Teets' birthday. Yeah. Little brother Brandon Teets, happy birthday to you, yeah. buddy. Young Liv. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I get those birthday notifications all the time, and I don't know why. Those both, like, completely pass me by. Well, we, Sorry, we, don't, we would probably do it more often, but we can't trust uh, we can't trust Skype to tell us who's yeah, birthday Skype is. Yeah, Skype is unreliable. So. It's been, yeah, Michael David Wilson's birthday every week. Like, for the last year and a half, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so. Cool. Well, happy birthday to uh, Bob and to Brandon um, on Father's Day. Hey, maybe they'll get lucky and make babies today, and then they'll be fathers, too. I'm not sure that that's lucky for either one of them, but <laughs> if that's what they want in their lives. I had uh, I got to tell you this. I had uh, an old coworker that I run into. Um, he, he lives near me, and, and I, I run into him at all the local stores. But he happened to be in my place of employment um, last week. And he's, uh, I think he's 48, 49. But, but he's kind of go. I haven't talked to him in a while. A lot of times I see him, and it's kind of a wave across the, the aisles at, you know, at the, the grocery store or something. So he goes, hey, hey, you know I got divorced from that lady I was married to, who I have reason to know because she's sister to somebody I knew a long time ago. At any rate. And I said, no, no, I didn't know that. He goes, yeah. He goes, yeah, I, I got divorced from her. He goes, I met this other woman. Um, we got married. He's like, she's a little younger than me. But uh, she doesn't have any kids and really wanted a kid. And I thought, oh, what the hell? If this is what she wants, if this is what make her happy, another kid around the house would be nice. And he winds up with twins at 49 years old. Oh, buddy. How horrifying is that? And all I could say, I was like, hey, congratulations. And I'm really, really sorry to hear that. <laughs> like, I don't What's the right thing to say to that? I'm doing the math on that. He's going to be 67 by the time they go off to college. If they yeah, go like off to college. Social security. Yeah. He'll, he'll be collecting he'll a social be, security check at that point. He'll be retired by the time they get into like high school. <laughs> Craziness. So anyway, Bob, apparently wow. it's not too late. Um, yeah, if, buddy. That's, if you want to add twins to the roster, little yeah. pastorellas running around. Yeah. Two little horas. Very yeah, nice. Yeah, that was good. I was proud of that. I don't think we have uh, much else going on. Hey, if you're not listening to The View, um, that's something you can do in between episodes of Booked. Rob and I host another podcast, um, which follows us watching a TV show, which probably sounds a lot less interesting uh, than, you would, than, than it actually is. We are currently going through the current season of Twin Peaks as it airs. Um, that being said, we're usually recording the day or two after the new episodes, and it's our thoughts, a little bit of rundown kind of on what happens in the episode, but our thoughts and reactions to Twin Peaks. So if you're interested in that, Livazon, L-I-V-A-Z-O-N, not to be confused with Amazon, 
Livazon.com <laughs> is where you can find uh, that podcast. Yeah, there was a brief moment where I was very happy for you for buying Whole Foods, and I realized it was it was Amazon that bought Whole Foods, not not you. So listen, I tried, I yeah. tried. Did Amazon try? came with. Well, Amazon came with what was it like forty three billion dollars, but yeah. like in stock purchases, and I was like, I will give you eight hundred dollars cash. You're like, and you can have that remote control helicopter that I, yeah, that I bought. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. no, uh, they purchased Whole Foods. I'm not sure what this means for us. Probably nothing. I was thinking home delivery of groceries, maybe, but I, I'm not in a zip code that's uh, close enough to a Whole Foods. Yeah, um, I do want to say, going briefly back to the view. Um, I know you're all not listening to the view yet from the numbers. Like we get numbers, we get reports. So, um, now is the time to jump over there and also just subscribe. You don't even have to listen. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's even better. Like, don't listen to it if you don't want to, but still, if you like us, if you think, oh, they make us laugh every, they make me laugh every now and then, whatever, just subscribe to it. Let those episodes download and just delete them. I'm fine with that. And if you don't want to do that, please, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Not based on this podcast. This is not one of our best works. Go back, listen to a really, really good one, one that you love, and then leave us a review on on iTunes. Because it's been some time since there's been an iTunes review. Um, I did. I was talking to another podcaster recently, and they looked me up in the um, the podcast, like the iTunes like list. And they're like, wow, you've got a lot of uh, good reviews there. So I felt pretty good about that. But um, there's never enough. And they weren't. And that wasn't, just to be clear, that wasn't Jeffrey Craner, who probably has like 100 times as many as we do. So let's get, let's start putting up some Jeffrey Craner numbers. All right. Next week, we are going to have our final book review for the season. I know some people got really worried when I said that, and Rob got really excited because Rob's like, if we never review another book on here, it's cool. I don't care. <laughs> it's kind of true. <laughs> Poor Rob. You know, you said something. Uh, God damn it. I'm, I'm gonna, I, I was going to let this go. You said something on the last episode, and I, I, I bit my tongue so hard, you might still be able to hear the speech impediment I caused. You said, I'm a voracious rereader. And I swear to God, I was like, motherfucker, sometimes I don't even know if you're a voracious reader. Um, Let alone a voracious rereader. Do you remember saying, do you remember making that statement? Y- yes. Yes. And I'll okay. stand, I'll, I will stand by that. Um, okay. However, I do have to say, and I thank you for bringing this up. I have not been uh, in the six years, six plus years now that we've been doing this podcast. Um, on my own, I will just, and Livius knows this from how I watch TV and movies. I'll just do the same shit over and over again. Um, and it doesn't get old for me. And it was that like that for books until we started doing this podcast. I read less since we do this podcast, which is just uh, so terrible. So terrible. People That's like, on oh, you, you, man. You must read a lot of books. And, but I know people are like, oh, you must read a lot of books. I'm like, nowhere near as many as I did before we started <laughs> fucking talking about. <laughs> like, it's like it's my internal dialogue whenever somebody says that. And instead I just say, yeah, yeah, you should listen. Here's here's our uh, here's our <laughs> website. Go check it out. Yeah. Um, that being said, our final um, review um, for the summer. And that is a, a little surprise on our calendar. This was not planned. Um, the Mallerman book was going to be the final one we did. But Rob and I decided that something else came up on our uh, radar that, that should be addressed. And that is The Maiden Poodle, a fairy tale, tale spelled T A I L, 
by uh, one of our favorite uh, friends of the podcast and one of my favorite authors, um, S.G. Brown. So it's a novella that's going to be available on Amazon uh, probably right around when we post that review and um, very likely interview with S.G. Brown, who we had on very recently. But in my opinion, we cannot have enough S.G. Brown on this podcast. Yeah, there's no such thing as enough S.G. Brown. And while you were making that reveal, Livia, something very important uh, uh, occurred to me. Um, Do you know where S.G. Brown lives, the general area he lives in? Uh, San Diego? Close. Not close, actually. San Francisco. That's all the same. In California, I just picture the Los Angeles and San Francisco and San Diego and that's all I know about California is all in the same place. Uh, so he lives in the San Francisco. He lives in San Francisco. And you know where I'm living for the next couple of months? Sunnyvale. Yes, which is about an hour drive from San Francisco. Oh, you should totally go hang out with him just so you could tell me how you hung out with him. And I did yep. because I know I know <laughs> be the only reason you would actually do that is to, to hold it over my head. <laughs> no, it's because Scott Brown's awesome and I love him. But um. That just occurred to me now. I've been here a month and a half. I don't know why why I didn't think of that earlier. I also should uh hang out with um Seth Harwood is a is a San Francisco author. And actually Christopher Moore is. I don't know. I'm just like I'm I'm asleep at the wheel here, buddy. I gotta get out there and start hanging out with all these authors. <laughs> I think I sealed the deal. You will not be able to hang out with Christopher Moore because that poor guy when we met him was like, when will these guys get the fuck away from me? Yeah. I'm he was pretty like, sure that was my doing. He was eyeballing security. The best thing I can do is be like, yeah, I got rid of that guy. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much be like, no, no, he's not with me. Yeah, uh, you're it's safe. just me. Any rate, a little bit of a departure from yeah. what we normally review um, in that this is a um, this is a book about, you know, is it anthropomorphic? Is that the right the right word? When animals can act like humans um yes okay uh that's what it's about anthropomorphic animals so uh, king griffin the great has stolen the throne of felenia and forced the peasant dogs to work for dirty water and stale dog biscuits and so on and so forth and i am very much looking forward to reading this i have never not liked an sg brown story so I have to imagine, like, you know, I get those little hearts in my eyes, just like with Josh Mallerman, so I'm looking forward to this. Then, I have even bigger hearts in my eyes for the fact that it's going to be the Lazy Summer Podcast. (laughs) So, look forward to a lot of interludes, um, probably a few interviews, I would imagine, as Rob and I can very easily run out of things to talk about that are socially acceptable, at least, um, without having books to to bring one of us back down to earth and say things that were uh, that are socially acceptable to say in public. Although I do want to point out that our time machine episode was kind of like a runaway hit. Like it, it got a lot of, it got a lot of action way more than I expected it to. Cause like it's time, time travel. There's nothing to do with books, but like, man, that is popular. I am very open to doing something completely off the subject of books um, as long as we have a great topic. So if you have a great topic you want to hear us talk about, by all means, find some way to get it to us and uh, we'll laugh about it and and maybe we'll do it or maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that and um, to the Maiden Poodle. Maybe a book live in there somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, we could do that with a little bit of a time 
anyway, time time's a bitch with those time zones. Um, but yeah, we should totally do a book live. All right, so that's what's coming up in the upcoming months. But next week, S.G. Brown story, probably S.G. Brown himself. Until then, I'm Livia Snedden. Now I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading.